They told me for years there was no money in podcasting. Well, they were all wrong. This is an ambiguous podcast solutions original podcast. A podcast years in the making. Centered around You're listening to Talking with Tarasha. With your host and founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, Will Tarashuk. Join Will and his guests as they talk about anything and everything under the sun. I say this all the time. Now, without further ado, let's do this. Yes, I know I have gray hair. All right, all right, everybody. Settle down, settle down. This is another episode of the Talking with Tarashuk podcast. I am the name in the title, Will Tarashuk, T's and Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K. I got another fun one here, talking a lot of social media, entrepreneurship, and just everything going on in the world. My guest is Allison Plant. She is the owner of the Planted Together Businesses. Her goal is to provide independent services to businesses as a solution to creating more time and saving money. We could all use more of those. Her highest priority is is to give you the reassurance that the back-end tasks are completed accurately and on time, while you, the business owner, focuses more on important tasks to elevate your business. She can assist you on a monthly retainer or on a project basis. The choice is yours. And the biggest podcast solution, I like choices. Welcome, my guest, Allison. Allison, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Allison, is this your first podcast? Have you ever been on a podcast before? No, I have not. This is my first one. So I'm very excited. Thank you for inviting me. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun because uh, we met we met through one of those networking groups just virtually through the Internet. And uh, you were one of the first people that actually messaged me there saying like, hey, let's talk some podcasting. And I figured, hey, let's actually do a podcast and talk some podcasting. So, Allison, introduce yourself, who you are, what you do and what brings you here today. So I'm Allison Plant. I am the owner of Planted Together Businesses, which is a play on my last name. Um, my little corny uh, little thing is that we plant the seeds to help your business grow and thrive. So um, I created my business in the middle of the 2020 pandemic when I was working on an ambulance. And with kids being out of school, I just could not, you know, be on the ambulance and be home for my kids at the same time. And I had originally planned to go to law school. So I have extensive degrees as an associate and a bachelor's in uh, pre-law. And so I feared, well, let's use my degrees. Let's use my smarts. And let's use the fact that I know how to do charting very well. So I combined all those skills and boom, my business was born. So I decided to help the business owners with completing administrative tasks and also focusing on their social media content. As I dived in, I did some research and took a couple of classes and started to really enjoy that too. So I just expanded my business a little bit more and now I provide services to all kinds of business owners and I absolutely love it. Awesome. All right. So you started in the medical field, 17 years in the medical field, then COVID hit. Obviously, you know, with COVID hitting, the medical field is pretty important. Was it was it hard to leave the medical field in the middle of COVID? Did you kind of feel like, you know, I should stay? Or is it kind of just, listen, I'm burnt out. I can't handle this. I, I know you're still in the medical space. So kind of take me through your thought process with COVID and, with COVID and how you left and decided to make that decision. Yeah, so... <sighs> As much as I dedicated my career to the medical field, um, it, it came to a point where I was I was burnt out because people were left and right were being quarantined. So we were having to pull extra hours and you can only do so much. And my family is always my top priority and my kids needed me home. Um, so it was a hard decision, but I did a happy medium. So I, I stayed in part time on a per diem basis, which 
just generally means I go in when they need extra help. And uh, so I was still fulfilling my commitment. So I didn't feel as bad leaving. And uh, then I did my business on too. So that really helped me out a lot. All right, definitely. So I, I personally, I don't have kids, but I think you made the right decision. Especially, you know, someone's, someone's got to be home with the kids and there's no one better than mom. So definitely, That's what I'm told. definitely, definitely support that decision. Uh, yeah, my mother, I, can, I can't imagine my dad doing what my mom did for me, like before I started <laughs> kindergarten. Uh, so yeah, everyone, everyone needs a good mother. So what did, what did you do in the medical field in an, in, so you, you were in the ambulance, you didn't drive the ambulance, we kind of more uh, making sure like, you know, like what, what did what did you do in the actual ambulance? So when you work on an ambulance, um, typically speaking, nine times out of 10, both people in the ambulance can do either the driving or what we call the tacking, attending to the patient. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to be licensed as an EMT uh, to do to be on an ambulance, whether whatever position you're doing. So a lot of times it's divvied up by uh, level of licensure because there are several different levels of being an EMT from the most basic all the way up to the paramedic level and a couple in between. And, um, and then it comes down to secondary to that is what does the patient need? So if the patient needs advanced life support, you'll have the higher level of medical expertise in the back and the other driving. If it's not, then the other person, and we switch off and we try to make it as fair as possible. So that way none of us gets burnt out as best as we can. And we share the responsibilities between driving and attending to the patients. Okay, now ambulances, correct me if I'm wrong, but ambulances technically aren't part of the hospital, right? They're like usually like their own third-party company. I, I remember John Oliver did a piece on it not too long ago, but can you kind of break that down, how like the ambulances are so disconnected from the actual healthcare industry? Yeah, so there's a running joke in the EMS world that we are the redheaded stepchildren of emergency services. Yes. Um, so most emergency services like police and fire departments are funded by taxpayers, whereas the ambulances are typically funded either by... A variety of aspects. It could be through taxpayers, it could be through hospital settings, or it could be simply through medical billing. Uh, unfortunately, there is no set standard for how a, an ambulance service will bill. Um, some ambulances are private companies, which will do interfacility transfers. So if you are at one hospital that doesn't meet your medical needs, they will put you in an ambulance and ship you to another hospital. Um, we call that an IFT transfer. And um, so there are private companies that do those. Some 911 systems do them if there's no privates available. And then you have your 911 systems where the ambulances can be part of the fire department or they're an independent entity of themselves. Mm -hmm. So there's no set standard, unfortunately, and it ranges across the board. And even though we are licensed medical professionals and we are doing the job in a you know six by six box going 80 miles an hour down the highway, we are not nowhere anywhere near compensated like a nurse or a doctor is or a respiratory therapist, even though we're doing the job of six different people in an emergency room um, in the back of an ambulance. And sometimes it's just the two of us and we don't always have an extra set of hands, um, especially if somebody goes into cardiac arrest where their heart stops. Right. We are doing the job of a whole team of people, just the two of us, um, to try to revive that person. Whereas in an emergency room, you would have a team of doctors and nurses and respiratory therapists and pharmacists and everything. And we're not anywhere near compensated anywhere near close to that. There are, um, you know, janitors that make more than we do. God, that must be so frustrating. 
It very much is. Um, and part of the problem is the insurance rates. Mm-hmm. Um, imbuses aren't compensated correctly through Medicare and Medicaid. So that's where a lot of our funding comes from. And unfortunately, due to those lack of low rates, they can't pay us what we you know deserve. And we go through a lot of training, continuous training. We have to maintain our licenses with through continuous education training that we have to do. And we have to renew our licenses every two years. So there's a lot that goes into it and the lack of compensation is very frustrating. So you'll see a lot of people using the emergency medical services on the ambulances field as a stepping stone up to nursing or police or fire mm-hmm. departments where the compensation is much higher. Well, the licensing, licensing I can understand. Like my mom, my mom uh, was a social worker in a high school and she has mm-hmm. since retired, but she still needs to maintain her license in case she wants to do anything with it again. So licensing yes. makes sense. You know, she's part of, part of the teachers union, so she was well compensated. So I, I can't imagine going through all of that and you're still getting, quote unquote, the short end. Now, what do you think causes that? Is it more the insurance companies? Is it more just the, the, who's who's trying to save the quick buck? It, it really comes down to the insurance companies. Of um, police, police and firefighters are compensated pretty well. Yeah. Um, on the EMS side, because we are not considered that, uh, we're not given the respect of that. It, it comes down to you could get paid more working at McDonald's than you can working on ambulance. There are companies throughout the country that are getting paid minimum wage. And and that's pretty sad because we're providing life-saving support. Right. And we are medical professionals with years of training. So it gets very frustrating and the burnout rate is very high mm-hmm. and the PTSD rate is very high. We see mm-hmm. the worst of the worst. Yeah. But unfortunately, whenever you hear about, you know, something on on social media or the news, it's always the firefighters and police responded and then took the person to the hospital. That's not really true. They don't take them to the hospital. The EMTs stabilize the patient and take the patient to the hospital. And that and that makes sense. So that's why uh, a, a call to the ambulance is so expensive. I can tell from personal experience too, like, you know, I go to the hospital. I was like, don't call me an ambulance, you know, call me an Uber. Yes. Or, or I'll, I'll walk, you know, I was in, I was in, luckily I was in Manhattan. So uh, I had to go to the hospital pretty quickly. And my mom was like, call ambulance. I was like, are you crazy? She's like, I'll pay the bill. I'm like, are you crazy? So I look up at my phone. It was like a 10-minute walk. So I walked. <laughs> and I just, yeah. I just, I just, I just walked. I just bared the brunt. Because it's like, it's like $4,000 for an ambulance ride. And don't get me wrong. Like, I understand that cost better now because of everything what you just told me. Right? It's so yeah. expensive for an ambulance ride. And it's through a private company because the insurance companies are shafting you. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty dismal. Um, I have to say though, there are some private ambulance company owners who have been leading the way and trying mm-hmm. to raise those rates and have really been trying to fight for us. There are several within the Massachusetts area that are doing that, and um, it's very nice to see. I know when I first started about seventeen years ago, I was making eight dollars an hour, and now I make mid twenties, even with seventeen years of experience. So it's yeah. very frustrating. Um, but you know, you put in your time, you do your education and you just continue to move forward. And for me, it was very important for me to continue to do that while running my business. And, um, so I still do to this day and I'm very excited to still be a part of that and continue providing that life-saving support for people in addition to providing that support for business owners. Yeah. And shout out to the Boston medical field. They have some of the best hospitals in the world, including children's hospital, where I believe this guy right here was born. I know I was born in Boston. I'm just assuming it was children's hospital. 
Uh, my, mom yeah, will text, my mom will text me. She'll tell me the right answer. <laughs> Boston Children's, I have to say, they are absolutely a phenomenal hospital. Yep. I, they they saved my son's life, so I can't ask for a better facility there. Um, and they are one of the top hospitals in the world. People from all over the world go to yep. Boston for their medical care. So it is top notch up there. Yeah, they saved my life quite a few times. So shout out to the Boston medical field. All right, so you, you're still in and out of the medical field while running your business. Um, now, were there any transferable skills from the medical field that you took into your business? Like there's definitely skills in a podcasting business that I take from my time in school, my time growing up or what have you into the podcast business and vice versa. You know, stuff I do in this podcast transfers over to my real world. Any transfer transferable skills like that from the ambulance to, I guess, the Zoom calls <laughs> for your business? Yeah, actually, there is a lot of transferable skills. Uh First and foremost is teamwork. You mm -hmm. know, when you work on an ambulance, it's you and your partner. You have to work in sync with one another to provide the best care for your patient and to make sure everybody goes home safe at the end of the night. You know, you're lifting people, you're carrying people, and if you're not in sync with one another, you, your partner, and the patient could get potentially severely hurt. I've seen it numerous times. My, my Myself, I've been hurt working and carrying a patient. So it, it is a lot. So working as a team player is huge. And definitely when you're running a business, you have to work as a team to make mm -hmm. that business run. Uh, so that's one of the huge things, you know, following HIPAA laws, which is your medical confidentiality. I carry that over and provide confidentiality for all my clients. Mm -hmm. So they're securing knowing that. And you have to be very, very meticulous in particular when you're doing medical documentation, because that is a legal document. If something, God forbid, happens and that goes to court, that is a, that is set in stone. So what you do or don't write in that report is what they go based off of. So it's very critical to make sure that you are attending to even the most minute details. And that transfers over to businesses too, because they need to make sure that every detail is being covered and it's being covered accurately. So that also transfers over quite significantly. All right, fantastic. Um, okay, so starting the business itself, what was it like for you? Because here in New Jersey, it, it wasn't necessarily difficult. It was just kind of knowing what forms to fill out and who to ask to fill them out for you and how much you pay. Uh, but when it comes to like taxes and so many different things, you know, a single member to a multi-member LLC or et cetera, et cetera. So talk me through the process of forming the business, you know, getting the LLC, the EIN, all that stuff. Um, and some tips out there for someone out there wants to start their own business in your area. So first and foremost is research. You really need mm -hmm. to get your research done. Uh, what I personally did was I logged on to uh, my local state. So I live in Connecticut. My business is out of Connecticut. Um, I, even though I do business throughout the country, um, what I did was I logged on to my state department of uh, labor and took it from there. I made a couple phone calls to find out what I needed to do. And I also joined a lot of networking groups in my local area where there's a ton of entrepreneurs. And I said to them, hey, what do I need to do? What are some things I need to know? Um, and they pointed me in the right direction. On top of that, you know, going into those groups, it was also finding the right bookkeepers, finding the right people that will help guide me with my taxes and making sure everything is set. So at the end of the year, I have a CPA that I can just say, here you go. And they take care of everything for me. So it's a lot of just putting yourself out there and talking. And it's a lot of research and legwork that you need to do. Um, 
I also help businesses with that at this point. So if somebody's looking to do something like that, I can certainly help guide them into the right places so that that way they can find those things or do it for them and present them with everything that they need. What, what do you think of the networking groups? Because there's I've I've flirted with a few of them um, down here in Jersey. Well, I know everywhere they have chambers of commerce, but ch- yeah. like uh, I'm flirting with the idea of going back to a chamber of commerce because right before COVID, you know, this business started before COVID, a little before COVID, and literally in February and January of 2020, we had a partnership with the, like the Great Elizabeth Chamber of Commerce where we were going to produce their podcast for them in person, and then COVID happened and it's everything's been on hold. But you know, Elizabeth Chamber, yeah. call me. But but never right. groups, like, how is it how is the success for for you? What's your experience with them? Because personally, I find them to be very helpful for most aspects. Some of them can be a little hit or miss, but every single one of those groups should definitely have a podcast. We're gonna follow up on that a little bit. But from your experience, what have these networking groups been like for you? Um, well, I've done a couple different networking groups. So I've joined official ones such as BNI. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done a couple of one offs. I've been invited to a couple of different kinds. Um, I have a couple of people that I talk to that run their own every couple of weeks mm-hmm. or months. And I find that it's very it's very useful because you meet people that you typically wouldn't meet. Um, so for example, well, you and I met in a networking group. We did. We would have never connected had Neither of us attended that networking group. So I find that they're very, very critical. Um, I tend to do all my stuff virtually because of where I'm located. It's kind of a remote area. Mm-hmm. And I have kids as we went over. So being able to be home for them when they need me to is critical. So a lot of uh, my networking is by the internet, which is great because it saves time because I can attend back-to-back networking groups all day long, whereas opposed to if I have to drive to one, I might be only able to do one or two. So I find them very, very useful. And I always tell people the best way to get business is by networking, especially if you have a service-based business. Definitely. No, thousand percent. Thousand percent, which is why I like I like different chambers of commerce or groups like groups like B and I. I'm a little more old school. I like being there in person. I like going to the action networking event, shaking hands. Uh Zoom has its has its purposes. Like right now, this podcast is technically being recorded through Zoom. You know, the, right. the Zoom feed is going into my graphics package on a separate program, but it couldn't be done without Zoom because, you know, right. I, like, I'm i in a pretty heavy populated area, but my studio is in Montclair, which is a suburb, which gives me the option of doing remote podcasting. And I, as I said earlier, uh, a networking group, the fact that I see someone, they don't have a podcast or access to a podcast, this like, well, you're missing out because like those that like that group that me- that meeting we were in that B and I meeting, yeah. Um, I like what they're doing over there, but I was like, this whole meeting is a podcast. Like this whole meeting is could be a podcast. You take the audio, you cut it up, you edit it around a little bit, get rid of the soft spots, and you could have it be so someone missed the meeting. Here's the podcast. You can have it on a private feed just for the people in the group. Or if someone wants to be interested in joining the group, you send them an audio file. Here's an episode of the podcast. Here's what a meeting's like. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. It's, it is a very great thing to have. And, you know, I was very excited to be on one today. Um, so this is something that I'm starting to incorporate too, in addition to my networking. Yeah. Um, I haven't done a chamber of commerce yet, but uh, I am certainly willing to look into it and try it out for me. Definitely. Um, I know you, you were floating the idea of a podcast, honestly. I don't know if you can talk about it, but I think even stories from the ambulance would be a uh, phenomenal yeah. podcast. You got to take out names, obviously. You can't say people's obviously, names. Obviously, yes. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's certainly one that's possible. There is a gentleman who does um, a firefighter one. I would love to be him. He's hysterical. And, um, but yeah, that there's a lot of stories that you can get just from everyday things. And um, you see a lot of lows and a lot of highs in the back of an ambulance and you share a lot of personal stuff with in the back of that truck. No, for sure. All right. So you, you, one of your specialties is uh, social media. Actually, no, before we get to social media, it's called the pandemic. So you launched it in the pandemic, yes. um, which a lot of people did, which, you know, to, kudos to everyone who did, because listen, pandemic hit, it was a reset button for the entire world. And some people took the torch and ran with it like we did. Some yeah. people just kind of waited it out. So what was it like launching a business in the pandemic? Um, and what was some of the tough, like what were some of the blessings in disguise from the pandemic? And how, how did all that come to be? So for me, um, it was really helping people who had had their businesses in person for so long to convert over to just mm. everything online. Mm -hmm. uh, there were so many people who were lost because you would think in today's day and age, everybody would be very technically advanced, you know, and, and have the, you know, know with how to do a simple Zoom meeting. You would be floored to find out how many people just cannot cannot do it. They're still pen and paper. They are not um, on with the most recent technology. And even there's so much technology out there and it's constantly changing at a New York minute. And um, even still, I struggle sometimes keeping up with some stuff. I mean, there are hundreds of CRMs out there that are businesses utilize, which is your customer um, relationship management software for, for the lay, average layman. Um, we shorten it down to CRM. And even then, there are some very big ones, and I know those now, but there was a learning curve, and there is still a learning curve because I come across clients all the day that'll pop up and use brand new ones that I've never heard before. So, um, you know, helping people during the pandemic make that crossover was really great because it really helped boost my business quickly. If I launched my business prior to the pandemic, I don't think I would have as much business as I do. Um, because a lot of people weren't utilizing it to the best of their abilities. Now, I think a lot of businesses are finding out they can do a lot more being online more, um, which there's a catch to that. So as you mentioned, being in person, shaking hands, that makes real connections. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know how to do it over a screen, that can be a lot harder to overcome. So there's the pros and the cons to it. But if you can emphasize those pros, you're good to go. Oh, for sure. So I'm interested. So you, you kind of built this built this business through the lens of the pandemic. Great benefit to you because, like, like you said, people still know how to use Zoom. I deal with it every single day. I'm like, you gotta you gotta go to your audio settings. You see that carrot, like little up arrow next to the <laughs> microphone. No, the micro the microphone looks like this, right? Like yep. people people just don't just don't know. Two years in, they still don't know. And like you know, most not ashamed on old people, but most of them are older people, which is to be expected. But, you know, I didn't know Zoom. Zoom was a learning curve for me as well. I can't tell you how much technical expertise I picked up over these past two years, which is really a blessing because I came from a studio background. Like you know, my my actual nine to five job was in a studio in Times right. Square. Right, you can't get much more professional than that. It's right. like million dollars of stuff in there to. I'm doing everything I can do in there from this chair. 
Yeah. Right. This it's chair, amazing. this this lazy boy chair with its the feet up. I can do the exact <laughs> same thing, and it still boggles my mind. You know, I I, I still have the expensive equipment. It's probably a few thousand dollars of equipment here, but it doesn't compare to the stuff in studio. But now that right. the world is kind of going back to normal, you got to phase out of the pandemic. Now, you as a business owner, how are you going to pivot from people going back in business? Because the online factor is still going to be there. It's always going to be there. But it's not going to be the same as it was in 2020 and 2021. So how do you plan on pivoting? Correct. So I'm already starting that pivot because there's been a large part of people who have gone back to pre-pandemic living. So Mm -hmm. they're not taking those precautions anymore because they're not needed um, as much. You know, people are getting vaccinated. People are doing other measures and, and life is moving on. We are learning to live with, with this situation. So as that happens, I'm really digging into that networking because no matter what kind of business you have, you want to be organized and you want to be advertising in some way. That is critical for any business, whether it's during a pandemic or not. So with that being said, a lot of business owners on the back end, they still need a lot of help with organizing things, having CRMs, following up. And it's really doing that networking to making sure that those overwhelmed business owners are getting those services. In addition to, I really stress to a lot of my clients that social media is huge. Billions of people are on social media each and every day. Think about it. You go to the doctor's office, what are you doing? You're scrolling through your phone. Yep. And you're more than likely you're on social media of yep. some sort, whether that be TikTok or Facebook or Instagram. Most people like to watch videos at this point. If they can't because they're in a doctor's office, they're doing reading, right? But just scrolling, you're scrolling. So that is important because if you think about your own social media page, your private page, think about all the people that you have on there. Can you remember who on your page does say is a travel agent, is a realtor, is a mortgage lender? How about the one that does insurance? If they're not consistently posting, you you don't remember. But if you have that one person who's consistently posting every couple days during the week, hey, I got this new deal going on, or there's this new thing going on, when it comes time for you to want to book that vacation, change your insurance, or, you know, whatever it may be, buy a car, have family photos done, you're going to remember that specific person because they're constantly posting. And so they're bringing to what I call your top of mind awareness. Mm -hmm. And when you maintain that in any business, you're going to get more business over the long run, because not only are they going to remember you, they're going to go to you and then they're going to refer you. So not only did you get one set of business, now you've gotten potentially two and it just trickles downhill and becomes a domino effect. So really stressing that to my clients has been huge. And the fact that they are have gone through this last two years and they've seen it with their own eyes, continuing that momentum is critical. And that's how I'm using that to my advantage because it's huge. For sure. All right. Let's, 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 let's slide into social media because I have a lot of heavy thoughts on social media personally, like for my own personal use. I hate it. I despise it. It's like, it's like <laughs> the bane of my existence. Like I, I've, I've had this idea since like, I, like I said, my, origin story with me in social media. I never wanted even a Facebook. So when I was in high school, 20, 2009 to 2013. Yeah, that was the year, 2009 to 13. You know, it was really only Facebook and Twitter was pretty much there and then YouTube. 
Now, I refuse to get a Facebook. I never wanted a Facebook. The only reason I got a Facebook is my friends made one for me as a joke. So I'd, I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, I'd be bullied into getting a Facebook. And from there, it's like, all right, I took it over, started using it, which I think all those posts have since been deleted because they're embarrassing. They weren't in proper English. Uh, but from there, I kind of had the mantra of, okay, the only time I'm ever going to post on social media is to promote something or to be professional. That's it. That is the only thing I use Facebook for. So you as someone who uses, or social media, I should say, like social media, period. I'm going to ask you, what is the proper and improper way to actually use social media as an individual or as a business? So as an individual, if you're a influencer, for example, mm-hmm. you're going to post every little detail about your life. It's a job in and of itself. Um, but if you're the average lay person like you or I, you know, my personal Facebook, I tend to keep that as business-free as possible. And the reason for that is okay. I have family throughout the country. Most families are spread out throughout the country nowadays. Some, maybe the exception that they're local. But that's how I keep track. I post pictures of my kids. I post pictures of my dog, my cat, you know, what we're doing, vacations and everything. You know, no one in my professional sphere wants to see that. Hmm. You know, um, there are some that become very good friends and I'll add them and welcome them into that space. But I feel that, and you ask this question to five different social media managers and you'll get five different answers. There's a running joke in, in the medical field that if you have an EKG, which is a rhythm, a reading of your heart, and you ask five different cardiologists, you'll get five different diagnoses because everybody sees something different. So my professional opinion on this is keep your personal separate from your business. Create a separate business page. And yes, invite family and friends to that business page so they remember you 100%. But then keep your business page professional. Put things that are relevant. Stay out of the politics realm. Stay out of the hot button tickets realm if you can, unless your business obviously revolves around that. You know, if you're, you're a politician, obviously you want to have that. But if you're doing you know, what I'm doing, social media, or you're managing a restaurant, you don't want to bring that in there. You don't want to bring hot button tickets to your business page because no matter what, you can't make everybody happy. That's just the way it is. So if you keep it as professional as you can and you stick to the facts and you stick to what you know and is in your business, you'll be good to go. Keep personal, personal, keep business, business. And that's it. You know, that's the way to roll with it. And try to always make sure when you're on a business page that you're using proper grammar, you're using the most updated information. And before you hit publish, do a double check, research, make sure you have the right spellings of things because, and make sure you have the right punctuation. That is huge (laughs) because that is the one biggest thing that people fail to do. And let me tell you, one little period or one little comma can change the entire meaning of a conversation. We see it all the time, and you don't want to have that that mess up on your professional page. You don't, unless you have a really good sense of person of humor, and you can flip it to your advantage. So um, that's my recommendation. And I'm going to date myself because, well, I had MySpace and AIM before Facebook when I was in high school. So if I'm dating myself a little if, bit. If, here. if it makes you feel better, I actually know MySpace. Like I, I remember like people <laughs> my age having MySpaces in like middle school, and I was just like, yeah. I know who Tom is, the guy with the white T-shirt. Yeah, Tom. You know, what I know Tom. To Tom? I, I miss Tom's still out there. 
Like Tom, <laughs> Tom is just sitting on a pile of money is being happy he didn't ruin elections. <laughs> that's that's no. that's what Tom's yeah. doing. Tom's lucky he dodged the wave. Right? <laughs> but but shout out to Tom from MySpace. Everyone's I'm everyone's sure. best friend was Tom. Um, Everybody. Yep. That, I'm glad you brought up MySpace because MySpace is a prime example of social media is constantly changing. You know, three years ago, TikTok daily. was just daily. There you go. TikTok it was something that was just not to be thought of. And Facebook is something that's not to be thought of for much longer, depending on who you ask. So yeah. you as someone who manages social media, um, how how do you deal with the constant changes in the quickness of social media. Cause one of my philosophies for podcasting is everything needs to be everywhere always, which pretty much means all your content needs to be in many places possible. Cause that's where the people are. But right. the caveat to that is like, listen, I can't put myself everywhere. Cause there's just too many places out there. It's changing too quickly. Rumble came and went like that. Truth social, yeah. say what you want about it. It's came and went like that. So yeah. how do you, how do you deal with those constant changes? So really it comes down to a couple of things. So, not every business is good for every social media platform. Mm -hmm. So there's hundreds, actually, if you believe it or not, there are actually hundreds of social media platforms out there. Um, but you're most familiar with Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, right? Those are the top ones. And now Snapchat too, because people are very big on the 15, 30 second videos, right? Um, people want instant gratification and they want the entertainment like that. So you know, depending on what type of business you are, it depends on the type of social media you need. And once you have that narrowed down, focus specifically on that. And there are so many scheduling tools out there. You can schedule all your content in one day mm -hmm. for an entire month. You could do it for six months out, mm -hmm. which is great. But in order for me to keep on top of it, I do a lot of research and I do a lot of going around and making sure that I'm taking the newest classes that I can. There are tons of classes. There's tons of YouTube tutorials and videos and everything that I will constantly go look at because that's really important to keep up on that stuff. Instagram and Facebook are moving more towards reels and videos similar to the TikTok version. Um, because a lot of times people are going to react better to a video than they are for written word because it requires less brain power. Um, so with that being said, that's a huge thing. But there are instances too where you want people to actually read what you're putting on there, but you got to have something in the background that catches that attention. So you have about literally six to 10 seconds to catch somebody's attention when you're doing a post of any kind. Um, and before they swipe. So with that being said, it's just doing a lot of research and it's making sure that on a daily basis, I'm going in and I'm looking at what's the most relevant hashtags. There's hashtag generators, making sure I'm up to date on those. And just every week I go in and I try to find, is there a new video, a new skill that I need to get? Because it's so, like you said, constantly evolving and changing. And like Rumble, it came and went. Like, I think by the time I heard about it, it was already out the door. So with that being said, it's important to make sure your, your business is on the correct social media on the correct time frame. And each social media too, not to complicate things, but you need to post more to Twitter than you do Instagram and Facebook. You need to post more to Instagram than you do Facebook throughout a day or even a week. 
So really knowing those helps too. And keeping track of your analytics is huge. That is the number one thing to really keep up on where you need to be and how often you need to be there. I think one of the most interesting platforms is LinkedIn. Because uh, LinkedIn has evolved into a, a, a social media account of some sorts. Because uh, it used to be like, you know, like, like, like a jobs board, but it's a professional place. You know, I got, I got one of my jobs through LinkedIn. Um, but LinkedIn's kind of turned into a place for social media. Like I post all of these videos to, to LinkedIn. That's where I get the most traction. So I get the most, yeah. where I get the most views, where people interact with it the most, which is surprising. It's probably because I don't post to Instagram because it's all on the phone. It drives me fucking crazy. But uh, what, do you, what do you think of LinkedIn as a social media platform? LinkedIn as a social media platform, again, it's more of a business platform. Yeah. So if you're looking for a job or you're a business-to-business type business, um, that's the place you want to be. And there's another one, actually, that's just popped up called Alignable, Mm -hmm. which is another business networking group. And, you know, you want to really focus on those two. It's a great form. Yeah. You you, you put me on Alignable. Alignable is interesting. It's like a lot of Facebook groups – it is kind of mushed into one, and it's just is there's a little, something for everybody. You can find very niche, you can find very broad, you can find exactly what you need. So I'm happy you put me on there. And uh, it's funny, my friend, my friend Jared, who's actually the CEO of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions, was like looking into it. It's like, hey, Jared, we already have an account, buddy. <laughs> here's, yeah. here's the login. <laughs> so yeah, it's, so- nice, it's nice having a marketing to I beat him to put a punch too. So take that, yeah, Jared. So- and Alignable is great because I really like it. I happen to come across it myself. I love it because you can really, like you said, niche down on what you're looking for as opposed to LinkedIn. It's more of like who you know, it's connecting you through who you know and who they might know. Whereas Alignable is a little bit different is that you can just kind of like pop in exactly what type of field you want to be looking at. So right. those are the two great. And I really recommend that Alignable and LinkedIn are more for people who need that business to business connections. Yep. And more using the other networks for people who need like realtors. Realtors really, yeah, being on LinkedIn is great because you can contact, you know, with, you know, mortgage lenders to help your clients. You can find a lot of contractors. Those are great for those connections. But when realtors are looking for their clients, they want to be on Facebook and Instagram because that's where they're going to find their home buyers and their home sellers, as opposed to on a professional site. Now, for someone like me, who specializes in servicing other businesses, LinkedIn and Alignable is really great for me, even though I do a lot of networking on Facebook too. Instagram isn't as hot for my business per se, as it might be for somebody else's. Your business, I would think Instagram would be huge, Facebook, YouTube. TikTok, probably top four places that you want to be. And then to have LinkedIn and Alignable underneath that for those business to business connections. So that way you can do, you know, meet with entrepreneurs. Yeah. Podcasting is interesting because it, it's, it's applicable to everybody, right? Like I want right. that, I want that B2B because I make podcasts for people. I also want that B2C because I want people to be entertained by my content. Absolutely. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but that being said, it's double the work and it's extra exhausting. So if I could use social media yes. in one word, it's fucking exhausting. I know <laughs> it's two words, but the first word is very important. Like it's just so, it's so exhausting. So like, how do you, how do you keep up? Uh, Cause even like with, with trends, trends change all the time too. What's trending changes minute by minute. Yeah. How do you, how do you keep up? 
Honestly, it's just take it day by day. Can't get further ahead than that because you just, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't. Um, so really day by day is my motto. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some common misconceptions about being a social media marketer? Uh, that it doesn't take us long to do our work. It takes hours. People are like, oh, you're just putting together a post and putting it up there. It is way more labor intensive than that. Um, if you're doing it the right way to grow a business now, you need to know what your KPIs are. You need to know what your goals are. Are you trying to grow your following? Are you trying to grow your engagement? Are you just trying to, you know, be out there? So when you really niche down on what your goals are, then you need to research, okay, am I using the right hashtag? Which hashtags are relevant today as opposed to tomorrow? Or what are they going to be next week? How can I predict that? Um, you know, what's going to engage my, my audience? You know, I need to look at my competitors. What are they doing that engages their audience that might engage my audience? So there's a lot that goes into it, a lot of research, a lot of behind the scenes work. And it's a common misconception that, you know, it takes me 10 minutes just to plop in a post, put a couple pictures on it and post it. It's way more than that. And then you need to strategize, you know, this week, am I, what am I going to post about? What am I going to post about next week? Is it relevant to the time of the year? Is it relevant to my business? Is it relative to the season or what's going on in today's society? It, you go down the rabbit hole when you start getting really into it, depending on the type of business you're in. Yeah. Hasht- hashtags are a tough one. It's like, I never know what hashtags to use for a certain posts. It's kind of like, you know, obviously podcast, podcasting, audio, pod, whatever. Like this is a different yeah. of podcast for me. And in particular, what I'm talking about. So I had like, uh, I had my cousin on last week, actually aired this week, talked about medical marijuana. So you guys search medical marijuana. Or marijuana tags. It's legal in New Jersey. It's search tags about New Jersey. So, like, how do you, how do you focus on which hashtags to use, and is it possible to use too many hashtags? So, yeah, depending on the platform that you're on, you don't want to use a certain amount of, you don't want to go over a certain amount of hashtags. So, for like Instagram, you want to say somewhere between fifteen and thirty, and you want to use wow. a heavy dosage of um, hashtags that are within the thousand range within the couple thousand range and within the hundred thousand range and a couple within the, you know, millions range. And it's, it's hard to figure that out. But what's great about some of these platforms is that when you start a hashtag for Instagram, for example, they mm-hmm. will tell you how many times that yep. hashtag has been used. Use that as your guide. And what I always say is keep it simple. So if you're talking about, you know, podcasting, all right, hashtag podcast, hashtag Virtual assistant, hashtag social media. Keep it simple because when people are searching, they're keeping it simple. And what I always keep in mind too is when you're going onto this stuff and what would you personally, if you were looking for this service, what would you type in for a simple hashtag to find a business? That uses that as your guide is super helpful. And also looking at your competitors. What are they using as a hashtag? Because if you're staying within that same realm, I've when you that. use that hashtag and they're using that hashtag, mm-hmm. who's going to pull up? Both of you. Both of us. And then yep. the, the customer is going to look at both of you to see which one they want to go through. So that's critical too. So when you're doing hashtags, there's a couple of different things that you want to consider. You know, it's funny. I actually, I was thinking about this. I can't think of, I don't think I've ever searched for a hashtag. Which is interesting. Well, that's you like, have. Like, I, I, you I, have I've, without I've, knowing I've, it. I, I, maybe I've searched for things and hashtags have probably popped up. But I don't think I've ever like yes. typed hashtag like you know 
fun stuff. But you don't have whatever. to. Don't so have that's to, yeah. the way hashtags work. You don't have to necessarily put hashtag whatever when you're searching for something or the client yeah. searching for something. If they just put into their search bar, say pizza places, well, it's going to pull up pizza places near you. And it's going to pull up the pizza places near you that are using hashtags for that area. Mm-hmm. So the hashtag is going to be relevant to the search engine. It's just a key phrase. And the reason they use the hashtags is it just separates it from all the other mumble jumbo out there. Right. And it really narrows it down to the search engine. It's all about the algorithms. So why do people post consistently, like at least at least once a day, five times a day across different platforms, use hashtags and their account still doesn't grow? They could be posting photos, videos, sharing things, and they still can't find growth. Well, a large part of that problem is too, is that you need to be sharing in groups that allow you to share it. You need to be reaching out to other posts. So when you go and you post, Mm -hmm. you know, tag other people in it. That, because what's going to happen is your following is going to follow it and their following is going to see it too. So that's going to bring some people over. So if I were to post something today about this podcast, I would want to hashtag ambiguous podcast solutions and I would want to hashtag you or tag you in it Mm -hmm. because then not only is all my following going to see it, all your following is going to see it and all the following of ambiguous podcast solutions. And it's going to intrigue them to come over to my page. So that's going to help my growth going into groups and, you know, posting and sharing for groups that allow it because every group has a different set of rules that you can sometimes advertise. And sometimes you can't sharing um, certain things in those groups when it's helpful, providing valuable feedback, into those groups for people is also very valuable and being there consistently showing up. So I'm in one group right now where I'm always in it. I'm always giving tips, I'm always giving advice, and I'm constantly being tagged for work because I'm providing valuable feedback and people are seeing that. So they're, they're, they've gotten my trust and they've met with me and they've talked with me. So that really helps too. And the other thing too you want to do is you want to just go and simply comment on other people as your business page. So some, what's great about Facebook in particular, um, you can go into some groups and join the group as your business page. Some allow, some you have to do as your personal page, Mm. but the ones that allow you to go in and post and comment as your business page, it's great. So if Joe Schmo posts that, you know, he needs help with his audio I can go in there and say, hey, Joe, you know, your audio, you might want to look at ambiguous podcast solutions. They might be able to help you with your audio or give you some valuable feedback. Now I've commented, he's going to go, well, who is this person? Well, he's going to dive into me. So that provides more advertising for me for free while I'm recommending you. So if you make recommendations, even to other people, that's going to help grow. So it's a lot more than just using posting consistently, a lot more than just doing hashtags. It's a lot of engagement too. And as a social media manager, we do that. Social media in of itself is a full-time job. And to try to do that in addition to running your business is frugal. It is counterproductive. I'm sorry, not frugal, counterproductive because it's a full-time job. If you're doing it the right way, it's going to provide results. If you do it the right way, but it's a full-time job in of itself. There are companies like Yahoo. They have a whole team dedicated just to social media. Same thing with like any news station. They have people just dedicated. That's all they do all day is social media, planning and posting and engagement and content. It is literally a full-time job in of itself. And even colleges are starting to offer these as degrees. 
So it's it's huge. It's really a big deal. I didn't know they were offering as degrees, and it sounds like a very smart idea that they probably should have done a few years ago. But yeah, I can tell you, uh, social media divisions are a real thing, right? Yeah. I, I have been yes. part of the social team, but you know, I don't much say well, actually I am responsible for posting, but it's it's a team of like sometimes a dozen people, if not more. And then next to that is also the design team to design the posts specifically for social. Now, when like you you use your posts, you like it's not more than just writing things. You actually do graphic design work as well, yes. which takes up so much time. Yeah, <laughs> I will spend hours just on one post because if I don't like it, like I'll design it and then I'll come back to it a couple of hours later. I'm like, yeah, I don't really like that. It's not attention, grabbing my attention the way it did. So I'll change it and then I'll come back to it the next day and I'll do it again and I'll keep tweaking it for hours, you know, mm-hmm. um, until finally I'm just like, I have to stop or it's never going to get out. Yeah. Um, so there, there is a lot to it. And I use a couple of different design programs to help me do that. Yeah, I like Canva. Canva's a good one. Favorite. Um, My favorite. I am not a graphic designer. Uh, I just, I don't have that artistic visual space. Like, I always just bad at art class. Like, I just, I can't draw. So putting on a computer yeah. is even worse. Like, my art is more creative like I, I consider podcasting art like i'm a musician yeah. that kind of art so like that kind of graphic design i'm just not good at it i wish i was like thank god my girlfriend designed this logo this little vector image of me you see in the bottom right corner gray hair and all yeah. it's there i promise i love it it's perfect yeah i i i, I like i love i love graphic designers because I, I have an image in my head like i can think about it tell them what i want and then when they make it it's like that's it like why yeah. you can't see it too well, but uh, American Minutes that was my old podcast. You know, like, yeah. I, had, I had an idea. It's American Minutes. I'm thinking a clock with like the arms, and it says American Minutes in the middle. Instead of twelve things, like a clock, it's thirteen for the thirteen colonies, and boom, red, white, and blue. That's great. So I had yeah. the idea, and then that's what came up with, and I, I love it. I keep that behind me for podcasting as as a memory, just because it's such a such a great goddamn logo. I think Jazz put only twelve stars on it, so she screwed up. Um, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's fine. Uh, yeah, but- I'm not a graphic designer either, but I do find I do enjoy putting stuff together like that. And I'll use templates that are already provided, and I'll move them around and tweak them and make them my own. Mm-hmm. Which you're licensed to do that on Canva, and I have a Canva Pro account, so I'm able to do that, and I'm able to enhance templates and move them around and redesign them essentially. But it gives me a foundation and idea to grow off of. And, you know, I always say the best compliment ever is a copycat. Definitely. That's yeah. the best compliment. Imitation is a serious form of flattery. It very much is. But I always, always use my templates as a starting point and I grow it from there, which is very helpful when you're doing hundreds of postings per month for multiple businesses. And what I like to do too, is I like to get a set series of templates for each business that I will design ahead of time. And I will use those templates for a couple of months and then I will change them up. So that way I just have to fill them in. That's also helpful too, if you're a business owner and you you don't have the, the budget to afford a social media manager. What you can do is you can simply design or have designed for you a set of say 20 templates that you can filter through and use those for your postings. And then every couple of months, just update them. I do that a lot too, because it's super helpful and it saves a lot of time. Do you sell your templates? Like I personally don't. 
Um, I haven't got into that. Uh, there are lots of social media managers that do, and they sell them like on places like Etsy, and they sell them online too. Um, but there are some out there that do that. Okay. Yeah, because that's something, something I want to do. Like, I, whenever I have a team of people who make graphic designs, like this this little bubble background you see, like, yeah, you can buy this, right? Like, I can just yeah. change the color, change the change the, the, the lettering on the bottom. It's like, you can pretty much, like, you like this idea? Here, take it. <laughs> right. All, all yours. It's, you know, it's like a licensing fee. Just done, done, done. Yep. All right, let's, a lot of people do that. Let's let's move over to algorithms because I sure. I'm a big sucker for social media algorithms because I have no idea how they work. That's the best thing is no one really knows how they work because that's how these companies make billions upon billions of dollars. But however, for content creators and someone like yourself, that can be very frustrating. Can cause a lot of challenges. So how it does how do you navigate the algorithm? Because like now they'll give you updates when they're changing their terms of service because they have to yeah but they don't tell you when they change their algorithm youtube will let it slip on purpose because they got that corporate algorithm for authoritative authoritative news sources whatever mm-hmm. in god's name that means but now it's <laughs> like oh if you're a content creator good luck have fun so how do you navigate yeah. the algorithms because so it, it's it's it, a billion dollar question it, it really truly is i don't think the people who even make the algorithms truly know how they work honestly <laughs> i think it's one of those things where it's just bought off on its own you know the scary that. movies where the computers yeah. just take over i think that's what algorithms are they are um no 100 I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say a yeah, side bargain there so people are like we're so afraid of the of the robots taking over bitch they already took over it's called you're not wrong what what you see on the internet is the result of an algorithm which result of ai telling you what you want to see Yes, exactly. They already won. They won. Yeah, it is. It is. It's so true. But keeping up with the algorithms, it's really paying attention to details. Mm -hmm. And it's also following the analytics. Oh, my God. You have to follow your analytics because those are really your your bread and butter if you are going to be doing anything on social media because it's really going to guide you. And here's a small thing that a lot of business owners don't realize when they hire a social media manager. And a lot of social media managers don't always explain this to their clients. It takes a very good six months to a year to get a solid, good entry into the mainstream algorithms. Tell me so about that it. way, those <laughs> algorithms Tell me will it. pick your business yeah. up and yeah. start putting them in there like crazy. Mm-hmm. It takes a while. You know, you have all these search engine optimization managers out there that do this on businesses. It's the same thing on the social media side. It's finding what really catches the attention of the algorithm. So that way that algorithm picks you up like, you know, peanut butter and jelly and just glues you together and sends you out there. Um, It's really, really difficult, but it's really following those, those analytics that's going to help you. In addition to it's um, seeing what your competitors are doing that are pulling up in those algorithms more quickly than yourself. That's really key too. So it's a lot of research again, is that, big R word that nobody likes research. <laughs> so there's lots of that. And um, I'm very happy that I went to school and got the degrees that I did because that's all I did was research for my degree. So uh, I'm pretty good at that. Well, we talk about transferable skills. Uh, exactly. So quantity or quality when it comes to posting on social media, what's more important? Quality. quality? Honestly, okay. quality, because you want quality posts that are going to engage your, your customers. That's what, that's what goes viral. Think about it. You could have this stupidest stupidest <laughs> video out there yep. and why does it go viral because it engages you it causes a strong reaction think about it 
you see these viral videos go out, but then you never see those people again because they're not, yeah, they might be posting every day, Mm -hmm. but they posted that one thing, one thing that provided an entertainment aspect to millions of people. So it's the quality of what you're putting out, not necessarily the quantity and you want, but when you're running a business, you need a little bit of both, but I always say quality over quantity. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I definitely agree. For, I mean, quality is always better. Yeah. But if you, know, you want to punch that algorithm, sometimes you just got to post all the time. So you yes. got to make, sure the algorithm, you gotta make sure the algorithm can't ignore you. But like, I like that yeah. you said six months to a year to even get recognized on the algorithm. And to me, that kind of makes sense, right? Cause, it does. I mean, if you're brand new and you kind of just come out of the gates running and fizzle out, it doesn't benefit the company or the algorithm to push you up there. It makes you less right. credible. It's kind of like, okay, proving ground, right? Make sure you're actually in this. So I tell, yeah. sometimes I'll tell podcasters, oh, you started a podcast? Talk to me in three months. Because yeah. most likely you're not going to be doing it anymore. And three months go by and I go, oh, there, there they go. The pandemic yeah. podcasters, a lot of them quit. Um, but, you know, that's just that's just the way of the beast. Um, it is. So the platforms themselves, they are under a lot of scrutiny from the public, the private sector, government and foreign governments. So yes. They got a tough job. And sometimes personally, I think they'd be doing better if they just shut up and just ignored all the noise. It's kind of just like, listen, as long as we're not breaking any laws, we're fine. Under section 230, most laws, they're kind of good. But is there anything that you think the platforms need to do better? This can be uh, from serving different people to their, their uh, terms of service to anything in between. So, I am not a platform designer. I don't know the ins and outs of running a platform. Mm -hmm. I won't even pretend to. It's way too much, way over my head. However, you know, the one thing I find on social media, the worst is that there is a lot of bullying on there to that extent. And they're letting a lot of kids on social media. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, I think what needs to happen is social media really should be for adults only. Um, I don't think kids under the age of 18 should be on it at all. Quite frankly, um, there's way too much going on and there's too much development at that point. I don't allow my children any social media, none. They, they get none of it. They're not allowed YouTube. They're not allowed Facebook. They're not allowed TikTok, nothing. Will I occasionally show them something? Absolutely. But I think what needs to happen is I think social media needs to be regulated to adults only 18 plus because there's a lot of things out there that really just kind of run that line of taboo and you know we're all adults or at least we're supposed to be and um you know people are what's called keyboard warriors nobody has respect out there and until people can start reining themselves in and realizing that just because you're behind a keyboard you know your your words still have consequences and um you know social the platforms can't regulate that because again, punctuation can put something totally out of context. So, you know, it's, it's a very sticky subject. I think they really need to stick to what they know and not try to expand into what they don't know and try to con- try to control. Um, you know, the running joke is everybody runs a, lands into Facebook jail, right? Yep. Um, yep. They have their recommendations and stuff, but at the end of the day, we're all adults. We don't need to be put in timeout. I yeah. think it's just, we need to keep it to just the adults. And I, I think that'll solve a lot of issues. They need to stop trying to do the impossible. 
Like yeah. it's it is physically impossible to stop the spread of misinformation because who can define misinformation, right? It's it's right. and not it's only impossible. that, but what's true today may not be true six months from now. Exactly, and the thing you they know? and the thing they silenced, but now they look stupid and they're not going to apologize because they're too goddamn proud. Uh, but to exactly. your to your point of not allowing kids on social media. In principle, I a thousand percent agree with you, and I, I'll we could talk about this another time on a different podcast. We could go on for hours on just this this yeah. alone. In principle, Absolutely. I think you're a thousand percent correct. In implication, I think it's physically impossible because yeah, I don't know. I agree. How, I don't know how they would implement that. Like even you and your kids. Now, I yeah. I applaud you for not letting your kids on social media. I think that is very smart, but. However, it's also impossible because your kids' friends, yeah, they, they all have it, right? They do. And They're my kids, be my kids absolutely hate the fact that I don't allow it, yeah. and they don't understand it. And you know, at their ages, they're not going to. I mean, my 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 son is seven. My daughter just turned eleven. They don't understand it because all their friends have it. Yeah. But it also comes down to the parent too. You as a parent need to realize, you know, there are things out there that we don't have any control of what pops up. Mm-hmm. You know, they could put something innocent into a search engine and you never know what may pull up. You know, I'm sure we've all done it. We've put something innocent into a search engine. And next thing we know, you know, things that are pulling up that are rated R, you know, so once it's seen, there's no unseeing it. And mm-hmm. there is so much bullying just in our schools, never mind on social media where it can be hidden. You know, it's, it's very complicated and the, thing we need to do is parents need to be parents. And I think that's where the disconnect is coming from social media and, and kids using it. Um, but like you said, we could go on all day about kids and social media. I mean, that could be like a whole like 25 series and podcasts. Yeah. Um, but I do the best I can within my home, much to my children's dislike, but there's reasons and I want to protect them as best as I can. So, um, but they do see some stuff. I, w- I will admit, I show them some funny videos every once in a while that I come across on TikTok or YouTube. Um, but I, I do try to limit it as best as I can. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not, I'm not to want to judge parenting of any kind. Cause again, I am not a parent, but, uh, I think a lot of parents want literally anyone but them to parent their kids <laughs> in certain aspects. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, I mean that like, you know, you want, you want to protect your kids from things on social media, but they're putting that responsibility on the platform instead of themselves. And granted, right. It's very hard to be a parent nowadays because you got so many things to deal with, but you got to put food on a table. You got to make sure there's money in the bank account. You got to make sure there's clothing on their back. You don't have time to regulate their, so- you don't have time to regulate the internet. You're asking the platform to do something impossible. They can't do it themselves. It's impossible. Right. And you have to remember, too, is that parents today are a new type of parent, if you think about it. Because when we were kids, our parents didn't have to worry about that. There was no such thing as social media. So I have a whole new thing that I need to overcome because my parents never had to worry about that with me. But I have to worry about that with my kids. That something that didn't exist then now exists. So trying to, as a modern day parent or as a today parent is trying to navigate that and trying to figure out where is that happy medium and what are the best things to do for my children? You know, my, I have two bonus kids. Their, their, their parents that I co-parent with allow social media. So that makes it difficult too, because right. I have another mm-hmm. ch- other children coming in my home that are allowed it, but mine aren't. So I have to be the bad guy and that plain and simple sucks. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's my priority as a parent. And I will never say any parent is bad for allowing their child to do it. 
but what works for one family may or may not work for another. And I always say, do what works for your household and your family based on your experiences and what your children can handle. There are children out there that can handle it. Mm -hmm. There are some that cannot, Mm -hmm. and there's everybody else that falls in between. So I always say, even though I am a social media manager and a virtual assistant, and that's what my business runs around, I always say, do what's best for you and your family. And leave all the every all the other noise out because at the end of the day, you have to live with the consequences that happen within your home and that come into your home. So one of the questions I've written down here, is there room for a new social media platform and what would it look like? Um and I th- Oh goodness. <laughs> and and I th- I think I think we might have just cracked the code to investors, get your checkbooks ready. This this a social media platform just for kids. Like only, yeah. only for kids. I'll even say like, you know, 17 and under or 18 and under, like you said, like, you know, high school age. I think that would take kids off of the platforms we have now where it is more adult oriented content because it's the internet and just kind of gear it more towards kids. Even if you want to gear it younger, like 13 and under a platform just yeah. for kids 13 and under. I think that would help. I think parents would be very happy with it. You no, know, I can think of a few downsides to what that platform could entail, but there's other ways you can do to verify you're an actual person. Like Elon wants to, Elon wants to get rid of bots on Twitter. Like I yeah. think that would help the internet tenfold, but I think well, a platform like that for kids would be very beneficial. What's really nice. So I allow my kids to have a messenger system. So Facebook has a Facebook kids messenger system oh, where the parent can approve who the child can can and cannot talk to. And it also, you can set up parameters that alert you to certain keywords that may or may not send, certain uh, links that are sent or anything else like that. So I also have a separate app on my daughter's phone called M Guardian, which I love because I can go in there and I can set parameters. So if somebody says the word sex or drugs or kill or die, guess what? That sends an alert to my phone and my husband's phone. So we can immediately go to her phone and find out what's going on. Oh, God damn. God damn. That's some big brother shit, but I like it. But you know what? It makes sense. It's parenting. It's parenting. And it keeps my kids safe because you know what? They can delete anything they want on those phones. No matter how many times I check it. But it's an automatic thing. And I have to pay for that app. And my daughter hates it because I can lock her out of her phone. Mm -hmm. But I can also track where she is, who she's talking to, why she's talking to them. And I can approve who she's talking to and who she's not. So if somebody's bullying her at school, I can shut that down if they're coming through an app for her. You know, if somebody's talking about something inappropriate or my daughter gets put into a situation where she has a friend who's in a mental health situation and telling my daughter, please don't tell anybody, it comes to me automatically and I can alert that other parent that, hey, your child is going through a crisis. You need to attend to that. You know, so it's a good safety measure. And I I strongly recommend parents download these apps and utilize them and use those keywords. You can update them. You can add in certain keywords that you want or take out. And yes, it's spying on my children. But at the same time, my children's brains are not fully developed and they can't handle some of the adult content that may come to them because of older siblings and other households that are being brought to younger siblings. So you may have a sibling who's 20 something years old and another sibling who's 10 or 12 and they're overhearing stuff or they're being talked to about stuff. And now that's being brought to my child. I have no control over that other than to monitor my child's electronics to keep that my child safe because there are certain things in certain situations. I don't want 
my kids knowing about. Like, I don't want my child knowing about self-harm because I don't right. want them trying it out of curiosity. Right. Or the famous Tide, Tide Pod challenge. I don't want my kids eating Tide Pods, you know? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. there are certain things out there I want to protect right. my kids from. Right. Um, you know, and or there are certain conversations like sex and drugs that I want my kids to hear from me and not from their friends because their friends mm -hmm. aren't going to have the correct information nine times out of 10. We were all kids once we heard things. Yeah. My kids are kids and they're hearing things, but I want to make sure they're learning the correct things. So having these apps out there to control that is great. So if there was a social media for kids underneath, those are the type of things that need to be involved and it needs to be linked to a parent so a parent can monitor that at the same time so that that way they can keep their child safe still. That's bold. It's it's very bold, but I, I can't I can't disagree anywhere. I can't disagree anywhere. And again, I, I applaud you. I applaud you. I, th <laughs> I, I, I think that's very bold parenting, but as someone who's not a parent, I, I do. I do applaud that. I do applaud that. Thank you. All right. My kids, I have to know who, what, when, where, how, and why with my kids. You know what? They're, um, they're your kids and that's your choice yeah. and you have that right. Like I, I well, my goal, my goal is to raise good kids that will be contributing citizens and won't be little assholes. That's my goal at the end of the day. And as long as I keep them alive and they don't grow up to be assholes, I'm happy. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's move away. Let's move away from children. Uh, what's, Last question on social media. The best time to post. I probably should have asked this earlier, but the morning, noon, evening, business hours, outside of business hours, those are, as, as always, does it depend? It depends. Of course it, it goes depends. Back to your, it goes back to your analytics. Um, you know, there are certain businesses where you're going to want to post at lunchtime. If you are a restaurant, you're going to want to post mm. an hour or so before major meals. Okay, so you don't want to post like three times a day if you're a restaurant that only serves dinner. You don't want to post around lunchtime about dinner because right. when are people making dinner plans? Probably around lunchtime when they're starting to think, okay, I got to get the kids to practice. I got to do this after work. I got to do that. What am I going to do for dinner? Um, if you're a realtor, weekends are your prime time to post mm -hmm. because guess yep. what? What are people doing on weekends? Well, they're at work during the week. So on weekends is when they're going to go looking for a house. So it really depends on the type of business you have and this product or services you offer. All right. So I'm going to cut this clip and post on social media to YouTube, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and Facebook. When is the best time to schedule these posts? For us? Yeah, for this, for this clip right here that we're talking in right now. I would say right around the anywhere 12 to three o'clock aspect Twelve to three, because that's when a lot of business owners are taking their first breaks of the day, typically speaking. And that's when they've gotten the overwhelm from the morning and it's starting to come into a lull in the afternoon and they're able to like decompress for a minute before they go back into the chaos. So for someone like me, that's my prime time is between 12 and three o'clock in the afternoon. Interesting. Monday through Friday only for me. Yeah. I, so I, with APS posts, um, well, on YouTube, all the video goes out at midnight. This debuts first thing at midnight. So when they wake up, boom, it's there. And that's just a YouTube yeah. video. I think that's totally natural. Um, but all my actual posts are done only in business hours, Monday to Friday. And that's perfect for your type of business. Yeah. I would recommend more afternoons than mornings, though, because most people in the mornings are so bogged down by everything that happened either the day before, especially yeah, on Mondays. Mondays, fair. you don't want to mess with Mondays. So afternoons are probably the best time for you to post. But again, you really need to look at your analytics because what I think is might be the best time, I could be way off base based yeah. off of your following. It depends on your followers. So if you're looking at your analytics, your analytics are saying Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. is when you're getting the most views, 
then you better be posting at Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. All right, we'll see. 12 and 3. I'm going to remember that. So, internet, Between those times. Internet, let's see what happens. Right? Yeah, you have to play with it. Sometimes it's playing with it to find out what the best time is for you. Love it. All right, so that's that social media. Uh, before we go, you do other off. You do offer other services. So I please, do. Uh, run them down. And if we can, if we can have a few more minutes, we can we can run them down. So what what sure. else? So, you, CRM management, email management, like kind of yeah, break it all down for me. Okay, so CRM management. So what I will do is I will help you find the appropriate CRM manager for your type of business. Not every CRM, again, like social media, is appropriate for every business. So I will help you figure out which of the top three you should look at and then help you narrow down to what's going to meet all your goals, whether that means just tracking people or tracking people on invoices and projects. It's all a combination. Um, I also offer email management. As a business owner, you get hundreds of emails a day. Well, you don't have the time to spend hours upon hours going through those hundred emails. So what I do is I will go in, delete all the spam, and I will say to you, okay, you have I'll send you a text message if you want, or I will send you an email to a different account that's only used for you and me. We don't share that email with anybody else. And I will say, you have XYZ for uh, for emails and you need to attend to these top ones. And then the other ones, you know, if depending on what they are, I can create a template and I will send out that template email to address whatever the issue is. I also do create templates for businesses, whether that be for invoices, for billing, for contracts, for, um, which I always say contracts always have double checked by an attorney because I am not an attorney and I do not practice. Yep. Um, but I will, you know, create templates for anything on that. I will set up your automations in your CRMs or in your email. I'll set up your integrations because, you know, a lot of these CRMs, you can put a scheduling link into it and then you can connect it to a Zoom meeting. I'll connect all of those. I'll put all those connections together. So it's one piece. Um, I will do, so the email management, the CRM, creating documents. Um, I'll make phone calls if you need to. Not a ton of them, but I'll make a couple if you need it done. Um, you know, there's a variety of tasks that needed to be done. I'll create presentations if you need it. Proofread things for you. It, it's a lot of client liaison if you need it. So it's a variety of things, but the best way to sum it up is if you had a secretary in your office, what would you have that secretary do? That's what I do virtually on a part-time basis for you. So that, that way it cuts down on your overhead costs. So it's cheaper to contract that out some, for some businesses mm -hmm. because then you don't have to worry about the FICA taxes, the insurance taxes, the, the benefits because I'm a contractor. So with that being said, I save you money. So it might be a little bit more, but I'm saving you money in the long term because you don't have all those other expenses to deal with. I love it. All right, Allison, that's pretty much all I got for you. We talked, we, we hit our hour mark. We are a little over, but hey, that's A-OK. -okay. The final question, however, always goes to the guests. If there's anything you want to ask me, let me have it. If, you, if I caught you off guard, you can plead the fifth. Well, when are we meeting again to do another one of these? Because I had a blast. So my, uh, my policy <laughs> is one a quarter. Um, right. So three months time, we'll bring you back. We'll have a good time. We'll do it all over again. It'll be uh, Allison Plant 2.0. So yeah, that's my, I like it. That is my guest policy. Um, all guests are welcome back, unless I just don't want to. But uh, you'll be back. <laughs> it's just it is every ninety days. Every time you come in, it's just a repeat. Every ninety days, got to keep it fresh. I love it. Here. And well, we got to get working on your social media. So you better call me. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Right now, I do all of it, and I hate it. I'm begging for someone to take it off my hands. But yeah, we'll talk. But Allison, that's all I got for <laughs> you. Um, 
anything you want to share, plug, where they can find you to get in contact with you, your business, your website, social medias. Yeah. Floor is yours. Yeah. So if you really need some help or just want a free consultation to go over what you're doing, I offer those too. You can go onto my website, plantedtogetherbusinesses.com. You can email me at plantedtogetherbusinesses at gmail.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn, Alignable, Facebook, and Instagram. So feel free to message me or get in contact with me. And I'd be love to chat with you and see how we can resolve some of your issues that you have going on or just simply give you some clarification. So give me a call. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Allison Plant, my guest on this episode of Talking with Tarashik. But my name is Will Tarashik. The name in this podcast is Talking with Tarashik. That is Will Tarashik, T's and Thomas. A-R-A-S-H-U-K. If you want to find all my shenanigans, all the other podcasts can be found. Anyone, everywhere podcast can be found. But the most important one is in biggestpodcastsolutions.com with all of our other content. Um, all my other podcasts and my wrestling podcast is there. Uh, all the other Talk Metallic episodes, including our live show, which is coming very, very soon, every Monday night, 7 o'clock. Um, so that's going to be exciting. If you want to be a guest on that or this podcast, Talk Metallic, shoot me an email, will at APSpodcast.com. That's will at APSPODCAST.com. And if I go, ooh, that's interesting. Congratulations. You're on the show because this is a Talk With Tarashik podcast where I talk to anyone I find interesting about anything from social media to firefighters to ambulances to anything under the sun that I just go, ooh, I have questions. If you make me ask questions, mm-hmm. I get answers because I am Will Tarashik. I'll see you next time on the Talk With Tarashik podcast. Talking to, I don't know. We'll see. But until then, y'all take care.